Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. If you are a return listener, I'd be grateful for your rating or review. And if you dig this episode, give us a like or share. And now, whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest this episode founded Cortex Performance in 2013, where he is the lead mental performance coach for their MBA and FIBA clients. As a former college player, skills trainer, and youth coach, he's worked closely with numerous high-level pros and prospects, as well as some of the top coaches and executives in the game. Additionally, he has provided MBA pre-draft consulting services to multiple organizations, including the Miami Heat, Utah Jazz, and Milwaukee Bucks. Outside of basketball, he has consulted with clients in numerous other sports up to the level a native of germany he is fluent in both english and german welcome to the elevate podcast reiner meister john appreciate it my guy uh great to have you on i know you were an athlete growing up played different sports um what was it like for you growing up as an athlete? Um, interesting. Different from most. I, so I grew up in Germany. I uh, started in equestrian sports, actually. That's something that my, uh, my, my dad was really into. So I used to jump horses competitively um, at a very young age. I mean, I was you know, competing against adults when I was like you know, 11, 12, 13 years old. And then eventually decided to quit, um, which uh, I think my dad is still a bit upset about it. But, uh, you know, then uh, fell in love with basketball when I was about, you know, 13, 14 years old and um, really got into it. Started playing locally a little bit back home. Eventually came over to the States, uh, played in high school and then was able to come back and and, uh, play in college for a small school up in Maine. Um, I was also a runner. I ran cross country. And then um, eventually, once I finished my bachelor's degree, I went back to Germany and, and played semi-pro for a year, did some youth coaching, and uh, eventually then decided to, to uh, start my career in sports psychology, go to graduate school, and I guess the rest is history. I never quite made it to the NBA like I had planned to, but I gave it a good try, I guess. Um, yeah. One quick question on the equestrian follow-up. Uh-huh. I- I had a, a coworker's friend, who, daughter who did it. And how old were you when you got on the horses to jump these horses? Man, I must have been super young. I was probably eight, nine, ten years old. I mean, I started young, maybe younger than that. I just admire the courage it takes for a, a little kid that that young to get on an animal and, and to jump it and, and to teach it skills. I was. It, I don't think it gets respect sometimes. Uh, right. I feel sure. like I feel like you're probably more courageous when you first start, right? And then the fear starts kicking in as you get older. Sure, sure. Yeah, maybe maybe I could relate it maybe to skiing out here. <laughs> mm, yeah. A little, a little <laughs> bit. Um, so tell us a, a little bit about Cortex Performance. Right. So we started the company in uh, 2013. So, yeah, we've been around for a few years now. And uh, our focus is primarily in terms of sports is on basketball. 90% of what we do is basketball, even though we start getting into some other sports organically. But uh, for us, it's, it's uh, really all about proactive mental skills training. And our focus primarily has been on individual basketball players at different levels, you know, starting at the high, sometimes the middle school level, but typically high school level, college, pro 
right? So overseas pros, um, you know, NBA pros, uh, it's a combination of all of those. And uh, we also do team consulting on occasions. We have team contracts with, with some colleges. Um, we have a team contract overseas. We are getting more and more into the coaching education space as well. And then, and then we do NBA pre-draft consulting. So we've, we've ran interviews and done personality assessments and things of that nature for NBA organizations as well. Oh, I always find that fascinating. Um, can you, you know, not talking about players and people and organizations, but can you talk about the important role that just the off the court, the mindset, character, the person um, has to do, you know, when it comes to being successful at that level? or even getting a chance? I mean, it's, it's huge, obviously. I, I would say when you look at the NBA draft, you know, obviously most players will get drafted based, based on talent and ability. But, you know, if, if, you know, if your character is, is one that stands out, if your mental skill set is, is one that stands out, those are all separators that can, you know, help make the difference between do you get drafted or do you not, or do you get drafted, you know, like 10th versus like 15th or 15th, 15th versus 20th, right? right? So, so it's really all about maximizing those little separators. And, and, and certainly once you make to that, to that level, if you do, having stability in your day-to-day -day management and your overall, you know, life skills, if you will, is, is, is just so vital. You know, we see it more and more during, during COVID right now, like how sure. much like all of us struggle in different ways, but certainly these high performing athletes and the ones that don't have a fundamental set, set of life skills and, and, and mental skills. I mean, it, it's just, uh, I don't want to say lost cause, but it, it's, it's an uphill battle. It's in, incredibly difficult. Yeah. The you know, pandemic is definitely a, a routine disruptor. <laughs> um, it, 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 you know, it seems like, um, and I've heard you talk on other podcasts about this. Can you talk just about the importance of having that daily process, daily routine, um, you know, maybe as an athlete or just as, as people that want to have more success? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we look at when we, when we do personality assessments with, with our clients is to what degree does the individual actually value structure and find motivation in structure and, mm -hmm. and, and in routine. So cool. We're not all wired in the same way, but even if you're somebody that likes to say more, like, like be more creative or like go with the flow, be more spontaneous, a certain amount of structure in your day-to-day -day life is, is certainly beneficial when you're competing at, at a certain level, just because it, it, does, it does help you stay more unbalanced. So whether it's you know, getting in a 10-minute morning meditation you know, having, um, you know, having a sleep routine in the evening, uh, like those types of things, I mean, they add up over time, right? And, and you need to have some, some sense of stability through your routines to be able to bring it on, on the court night in and night out because it's, it's just an extremely stressful lifestyle. Yeah, the, the, the games come fast at that level, at the high level. Yeah, it's crazy, you know, and the, the, the travel, I mean, the travel is what makes it so incredibly difficult, mm -hmm. you know, like traveling between different time zones, you know, getting to the hotel at like 4 a.m. and then you got to play the next day. I mean, I traveled with the NBA team a couple of years ago. I just went on the road with them for like a week and I was like, man, like, <laughs> this is exhausting. Yeah, yeah. And, and 
where you, you weren't playing like 38 minutes a game. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at that time, at that time. Um, you mentioned uh, meditation. Can you, can you talk a little bit about, you know, is that something you guys encourage athletes to do? I, I, you know, I, something I'm a huge fan of. I've been a meditator for about five years and um, found a lot of good things from it. Um, can you speak about, you know, how you guys might coach that or how you integrate that? Yeah, certainly we, we recommend it to pretty much all of our athletes. It doesn't resonate with everybody, but, but it's, a, it's a skill that I think if you open yourself up to it, it's going to benefit you, yeah. right? And, and, you know, to me, like oftentimes you'll hear athletes say, well, I tried it out and I just wasn't good at it, right? So I didn't stick with it. But um, it's really not about are you good at it or not? It's about yeah. do you do it or not. And it's a bit, when, when we talk about this idea of neuroplasticity, reshaping your uh, neural connections so you can, you know, learn to be more focused so you can potentially like gain confidence, right? Like those different types of things. It really comes down to the refocusing in meditation. So, you know, you take a couple of breaths, your focus drifts like mine does all the time, right? Yeah. And you catch it, like you catch onto it, you bring it back, right? And then same thing again and again and again to where in a 10-minute meditation, you might have to refocus dozens of times, but that's where the magic really happens. Even though you might not walk out of that meditation feeling incredible necessarily, you know, like there are long-term benefits to it. Yeah, I've heard it, uh, you know, so, sometimes when you get those reps in the gym, you walk out feeling the burn and sometimes the burns and I feel it but you still got the work in yeah you got the reps in um I jumped right into meditation but can you talk a little bit also about your your philosophy uh at Cortex and um it's kind of your approach or, or you know if you have a new athlete how do you uh first kind of you know guide where you need to kind of close gaps yeah so generally speaking as far as our philosophy is concerned we look at mental training as being something that should be done proactively it should be personalized to the needs of the individual athlete and it should be systematic to a degree, right? To, to where it, you, you almost come at it um, as if it's strength conditioning for the mind, if you will. And maybe you've heard that term before, you know, it's nothing new, but that's really how it should be done. Um, typically, we still find that a lot of athletes kind of start in a reactive place when they first seek out someone, someone like us. But then we try to move them to that kind of proactive space and, and, and make sure that they uh, stick with, with mental training for the long term. You know, so it's, it's a lot about fine tuning and making adjustments and just being aware of, you know, things like how well did I execute my core values in, in today's game? You know, where, what were some instances where my focus shifted in the wrong direction? What did I do to get, to get it back? What did I look like behaviorally out there? You know, would it benefit me? you know, going into next game to, you know, clap more, to have to, to, to max out my next play speed a little bit more if I had a tendency to like hold on to, to, you know, a turnover or a bad call by the ref or something like that, you know. Um, what, the clap more. Talk, talk about how maybe clapping more can maybe make a difference. Well, so what we found is that some, you know, a lot of athletes already do it organically in that they yeah. – Clap one time to refocus. So I always feel like when you have athletes that when they, you know, when they get frustrated by like a bad call or something like that, you know, they 
tend to show, yeah, yeah. So I'm like the ones that have it figured out, they go to that one clap and it's a, it's just a quick signal to the brain to like refocus and move on. You know, other athletes, you have to teach them those type of like micro skills, if, if you will, right? Because they get caught up in bad body language, complaining, whatever, and then five seconds pass and the other team has already scored a bucket, right? And you're still preoccupied with, with uh, what happened earlier. Um, aside from that, you know, aside from the one clap, obviously like, like clapping, clapping can be something that can induce energy into a team or, or give the individual athlete energy. Right. And then you look at those type of behaviors in combination with like positive touches and, 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 you know, like initiating huddles, various tangible things that you can do to actually bring a sense of leadership and connection to, to a group. I think there's a, like back in about a decade, there's, was it a doctor at a, was it Cal Berkeley did the study with the MBA and the physical touching? Uh, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah you know, just it was always fascinating, you know, that the, the teams are more successful, just did a, a lot more of the things that you just described on the court. Exactly, exactly. And there's a, um, there's a pretty cool video actually on uh, Steve Nash on, on YouTube as well that uh, talked about how frequently he engaged in positive touches per game. So they had literally like tracked him for an entire season. This was when he was in, I think, in his MVP years. Okay. And so one thing that we sometimes do with our clients is when it comes to the mental game, when it comes to body language and behavior and things like that, like we don't have set standards to aspire to. Right. So we'll ask him like, how many times per game do you think you, you give positive touches? Right. And do you feel like you're good at it? Right. And they might be like, well, I think I'm really good at it. I do it at least 25 times per game. Right. Yeah. Then I'm like, all right, well, guess guess how many times Steve Nash used to do it? And, like, his number was – the exact one was, like, 239 times per game, if I remember correctly. Wow, yeah. So it, it's really interesting, right, because a lot of the mental stuff and the leadership stuff oftentimes isn't as tangible as, like, aspiring to, like, score 15 points in the game or, or grab eight rebounds. Right. So the more tangible we can make it, the easier it is for athletes to – proactively um strive towards that what are maybe some other you know simple techniques athletes or coaches that might be listening that um to try to make some of these mental skills a little bit more tangible in their practice or their daily routine um so one one fundamental one that we that we use with our athletes at the kind of at the beginning of our process is developing out your your core values Mm -hmm. right and we make it specific to on-court performance. So we want to know, hey, like, what are the things that you want to be known for? And what are the things that you identify uh, with, right? And what do those look like in action? So if you say, man, like, I really value competitiveness. Well, what does that look like for you? You know, does it mean diving on the floor? Does it mean, you know, boxing out aggressively on the glass? Does it mean attacking the paint on the offensive end, right? So... So then we incorporate those core values into the athletes um, pregame check-in. So we, we build out custom forms for our, our athletes to where pregame they can go in, they can be like, okay, like here are, you know, here are my core values to, to, you know, kind of visualize in terms of how I want to focus on those today. Here are some specific focus cues to add on top of that. Right. And then post game coming back and being like, okay, like my competitiveness, I feel like was a four out of five. So next game I need to do X, Y, and Z to get to a five out of five. 
Um, so just an example that, that, you know, something that's very fundamental to our process. Yeah. I love that the military is really good at the, the back brief, re, end of mission, debrief, whatever, different, I know they call it different things, but uh, can you talk yeah. about how important that is to, you know, not just going in the game to get your headspace right, but also that post-game reflection and evaluation? For, for us, it's huge, you know, and not, not enough athletes do it because I think the reality of it is most athletes come out of a game, they're like, shit, like I play terrible and I'm, I'm going to feel terrible about it for the rest of the night. Or, you know, maybe you played really well and now you get caught up in the excitement and then texting with a million people and spending, you know, three hours on like Twitter to see, you know, all the nice things people are saying about you. But if you can have, if you can have that post-game uh, debrief, you know, like you said, it, it really helps helps you stay in tune with who you are and who you want to be out there. And it also helps you, even after a great performance, identify things that, that will kind of go into um, continuous growth, right? And it kind of closes the, the, the loop and helps you build continuity towards, towards the next game in a, just a more proactive kind of way. Do you, do you advise or utilize athletes to make use of any type of cooling off period in between or, or you know how how close following a game or a match or anything like that do you advise them to kind of do those those post-game evals is it right away we we give athletes flexibility typically i'll tell them look do it in the next 24 hours some knock it out right away some do it the next day i think it depends on the individual athlete and that's well, but to, to your point, obviously, sometimes coming out of a game, you might be like kind of hot, right? Like because yeah. you, you're pissed because things didn't go your way, right? And it could really take some of the objectivity out of a um, self-evaluation. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big journaler. I think sometimes maybe when, a, you know, some, when we have bad games or bad moments, uh, sometimes journaling is, is a good thing. Do you, do you find, is that something you, you guys ever talk about with, with guys or maybe in that post-game evaluation when there is a, a flood of emotion that isn't great, um, you know, uh, use that as a tool? We, we do selectively. You know, some athletes, it really resonates with them. Part of our post-game evaluation is also a – um, we call it an S3 analysis, if you will. So strength, struggle, strategy. So we have them jot down their thoughts on what did I do well, what did I struggle with, and then what are the specific strategies to, to carry over my positives and address my struggles going into the next game. But, you know, sometimes we also have athletes that like more of the kind of free-flowing uh, type of journal journaling, and uh, that, that's something we definitely – uh, we definitely recommend if it resonates. I personally, I like speed journaling. You know, yeah, I haven't done it in a while, but I used to, you know, when I was going through just life stuff. And, yeah, yeah, like it was great just being like, you know, hey, let me just set my alarm for like 10 minutes and just write without putting my pen down and just, just see how I feel after. And it was like super therapeutic, to be honest. Yeah, so I think sometimes my, just a mind dump, just yeah it just empty some things out right you can meditate to get to empty space sometimes you got to write it out i don't know um uh if you could get into a time machine go back and see 16 year old you what's uh -huh. one piece of advice that you've learned along your journey that you would share with yourself man that's such a great question i i think one thing that I've really learned and am still learning is 
you know, this idea of how can you really strive for something without clinging to, to that, to the outcome, you know, and it kind of goes into mindfulness and Buddhist study a little bit. Right. Because I I think, I think we all tend to just like grasp, like what, you know, sometimes it's hard for us to, to set a goal and not be completely attached to and identified with, with, with the outcome, you know, and uh, I think when, when you are too, too overly identified with it and say an opportunity like doesn't come through for you, it, it really puts you in a bad spot, especially if you're already prone to like beating yourself up and like being hard on yourself and stuff like that. And that, that was definitely something that back then, more so than now, like I really struggled with, like I was always like really good at like striving and like going harder than everybody else, like whether it be as an athlete and you know, like getting into like business and stuff. But I wasn't good at sometimes just taking a breath and just like letting things go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Along your journey, um, or maybe even now, uh, are there people um, that you find fascinating that you like to learn from um, in in the mental space, sports psychology, that uh, other listeners maybe could find a book or podcast on those people? Are Are there people that you find fascinating to learn from? there are a lot of people that I find fascinating to learn from. They're not always necessarily in, uh, in my space, but uh, yeah. certainly, you know, like Ken Revisa was somebody that I really, mm-hmm. you know, admired and, you know, have, you know, read his books and taken some good stuff from him. Um, used to talk to Keith Henshin, who also passed away not too long ago. You know, you used to speak with him um you know quite a bit because he had that nba background and and you know also a lot of wisdom you know right. from his long career in the field um so there are some of those types of folks uh, generally speaking i would say i like i listen to a ton of podcasts um you know like on, on lifestyle on mental skills on on coaching you know like i i really like learning from people that are kind of in related spaces that connect back to the mental space, whether it be sleep specialists, nutritionists, player development people, you know, uh, just to name a few. Excellent. So, so one thing I think uh, on leadership and learning, you uh, always be learning, right? Uh I think, um, well, thank you for sharing some of those names. I know uh, the first two you shared for those listeners that aren't familiar with them. Those are some of like the original, original OG sports psychologist in sports, those guys for sure. So um, you talked about listening to, to podcasts. I want to thank you so much for being on this podcast and coming on to share some time. Last question we like to ask our guests is uh, how do you define success? Huh. Wow. That's, mm. man, how do I define success? You know, I, I just feel like it looks so, different for for different people you know i think success ultimately is about that 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 feeling of fulfillment right achieving some sense of fulfillment and and connection with with your mission if you will so when you look at it in the in the professional space you know is it like to me it's not about getting to x amount of revenue or x amount of clients but it's really more so about how connected do i feel to my mission in terms of empowering athletes to 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 maximize their 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 performance Uh
you for listening. If something caught your ear as useful or unique this episode, we would love your help spreading the Elevate message. You can find me on Instagram at Elevate Educate Rejuvenate. That's with the numeral instead of the A-T-E. Thank you again, and if I can help you with anything, please reach out. And don't forget, go elevate others.